Hey everybody, welcome to Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Avril Marcy. Sorry about the background uh, noise. I'm still getting my place ready. So this is the second interview we've done at the new apartment. Uh, today's guest is the one and only Lee Holden. Now, Lee Holden is a Qigong master as well as a healer. If I remember correctly, you have like an alternative therapies, alternative health uh, place out in California. Is that right, Lee? That's right, Santa Cruz, California, right here at the beach. Ah, oh, dude, that's so awesome. For some reason, they get Santa Cruz and Santa Monica like really mixed up. It's yeah, terrible. One's in Northern California, one's in Southern California, but Santa Cruz is just a little tiny beach town, fifty thousand people. People famous for like surfing and redwoods and a blend between like Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and hippies. Okay, how far are you from San Diego? I'm about nine hours by car, six or seven hours by car to Los Angeles or Santa Monica, and one hour from San Francisco. Okay. I guess I think I know when I move to California which city I'm going to move to. Why? It's you a beach should. town. Come on out. It's, it's a beach town. We'll <laughs> do like, Qigong <laughs> on our surfboards. Oh, uh, dude, don't even tempt me. I'm totally into that because I actually used to practice Qigong uh, about 12 years ago. When I no, no, 17 years ago. I keep thinking I'm 26. No, uh, 17 years ago, when I started breaking into martial arts, I actually started with Qigong as well to actually work on my breathing, uh, as That's well awesome. as my body movements. Yeah, yeah Qigong is a, is, it has its roots in martial arts, so it's a way to build power in your body, so it's very versatile on what you can use it for, whether it's health, stress management, athletics, peak performance, flow state, it's just wonderful in all of those regards. Oh, I agree. Could not agree more. And I mean, that's something that I see... I wouldn't even say that it has its roots in martial arts. I actually think it is a martial art because mm. if Qigong at the highest level is to generate your body's natural power and align you to your natural strengths or your chi, um, what you end up getting is essentially you can use that in any form for anything as you just mentioned. Now, real quick shout yeah, out before, right. like again, before we continue, because I want to go down this rabbit hole like crazy with you. Um, just a real quick shout out to our sponsors of the show. As always, it's adolmarcy.com. Go there, listen to previous show and episodes. Uh, we've got a brand new slick new look to the website, so you guys were able to find more things there. And of course, we're always updating this year as we get more and more stuff going and building. Also, this episode is sponsored by Holden. That's H-O-L-D-E-N, Qigong. That's Q-I-G-O-N-G.com. Um, if you guys go over there, you can actually basically... Uh, they can, sign, they can sign up to your mailing list, right? You have a mailing list? Oh, yeah. Me? You sign up for our mailing list, you get a five-day mini course on Qigong. Badass. And trust me, I would have killed for something like that back in the day. Because, like, I had, the only stuff I had going was uh, I had to, like, bootleg stuff on, on the internet. Or I had to find, like, library books. Yeah. Which I gotta tell you, there's nothing like that. Like, as I've gotten old, I've done, like, one or two sessions in my 20s, and like, in my early 20s. Uh, and... Yeah, I was like, yeah, I could not have learned all this from a book. Yeah. You need you need to actually do it. So my first question really more than anything was, Lee, how did you get into it? Because it's it's a very Eastern – it's a very, very Eastern form of um, of internal training to the body of medicine. How did you find it? Because I'm assuming you found this like some time ago. Oh, yeah. I found it through martial arts like yourself. Uh, I was 10 years old. I saw a martial arts master break a big stack of bricks. And my jaw just sort of dropped. And I was like, how did you do that? And he was like, chi, power of chi. But then he said, you know, chi isn't for martial arts. It's for healing. And um, it was a catalyst. I didn't know this at the time, but a catalyst later in life when I was playing competitive soccer at UC Berkeley and I had a back injury. I went back to this guy after being really frustrated with the doctors and the physical therapists and getting on painkillers that didn't work and went back to this guy did acupuncture and showed me Qigong exercises. And I was back playing soccer in about a week and a half when, you know, the team doctor said I'd be out for the season. It would take, you know, a year to heal. So that was the catalyst that brought me into this world really deeply. Um, and I've made, you know, 20 trips to Asia studying with the masters directly and really just learning how, how these esoteric practices, whether they're martial arts, spiritual practices, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, can be applied to modern day life to clear stress, relief, um, all kinds of health issues, and recharge. It's kind of like a really big thing as well. And something that I will always say to people is 
it's good to actually look at alternative medicine and therapies because a lot of the time what is now seen as quote-unquote alternate is just old it's like yeah. stuff our ancestors right. did that actually worked and they're like no yeah. medicine and it's like what about this thing that my mother used to teach me about no that's yeah. wrong 400 years right. later what your grandmother used to tell you was actually correct it's <laughs> actually like, quite right yeah you know, the way this medicine worked, I think it's fascinating. It was really true healthcare. You know, um, in ancient cultures throughout Asia, you would pay your healthcare practitioner like a monthly stipend. And your job as the healthcare practitioner was to keep your patients healthy. And in fact, when they got sick or had problems, you stopped paying the doctor until they're healthy again. And as soon as you're healthy, you start paying again. So it was really true healthcare. And right now we find ourselves in a society with sick care. You know, nobody's getting paid unless somebody's sick. So this whole medicine and medical Qigong was really about prevention, keeping your energy up, um, looking at the root cause of a problem and really clearing it out before it manifests in your body as a problem. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times what you can find with stuff like Qigong and actual energy um, disturbances in the body if you don't look after them, they actually grow into full-blown, as you said, for you, it's back pain. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I don't know if this is actually still rooted in Qigong or what your opinion of this is, but emotional states actually affect your body's movements. Oh, like, my gosh. It's, it's huge. I mean, I think now the statistics on stress are just staggering on how it impacts, you know, like you said, mobility, but also uh, almost every physiological function. So they're saying... Now that stress is the root cause of most diseases and illnesses, and in fact, about 89%, the last time I checked, 89% of primary care doctor visits were stress-related. So it's only really about 10% of the things, either accident or genetic. Otherwise, these first reasons why we start getting problems in our bodies, emotional stress, mental stress, um, you know, a mental emotional thing that creates this physiological impact. And when your muscles get tight under stress, it creates pain, discomfort, lack of mobility and a variety of other things. So it's, it's, it's big. Stress is big. Oh, it's huge. It's, it's now no longer the silent killer. It is just known as the killer because right. Not to go down the alternative therapy rabbit hole of like what different people think, but I, do look at it from different perspectives. And that is like yeah. the whole idea that cancer is nothing more than just stress-laden bodies not being able to get to work. And of course that builds up a tumor which then spreads out, you know, white blood cells yeah. that attack your own body. Um, it's, and- it's a serious problem, you know. Uh, I think we have developed a society that doesn't lend to healthy, vibrant, alive, happy, fulfilled people. And so we need alternative ways or we look at ancient cultures and see you know, what are some things that we can do to balance out all the craziness that we find ourselves in modern times? And, you know, I'm always a big proponent of using modern technology with ancient wisdom to create even something better. Um, but it's not just about avoiding the ancient technologies and, and wisdom, but integrating and creating something that's complementary so that we don't, <clears throat> you know, say that technology is bad or Western medicine's bad. It has its place for sure. But then we embrace the wholeness of who we are by you know focusing inward clearing stress looking at the root cause and being able to come back to a place of harmony and balance so we can really enjoy this beautiful life right okay i agree with that almost like entirely specifically because the image i have in my mind is almost like in the sense of like the eastern medicine the ancient medicine what we do with our bodies qigong and everything else that we look at that is essentially the prevention for us getting ill so but if we do get ill you like very ill you end up going to modern medicine to actually help mm. fix that because it's kind of like the whole this is the prevention and this is like hopefully the cure but mm-hmm. not always and people again because i i'm a copywriter so obviously i look at things from a psychological standpoint people don't mm. want prevention mm-hmm. they, they, right like, we have this thrill of wanting to die but the truth mm. is when you prevent so much you actually live a very healthy life. You live a happy mm-hmm. life. And this is something that, I mean, for you personally, you can tell me that I'm wrong. I don't mind saying that. Um, but like my personal philosophy and the way that I look at it is, is if you keep your stress levels low, if you keep your tension levels low, if you actually practice good health, meaning in the sense of like 
you exercise the muscles that need to be exercised, you give the body what it wants and needs, you can pretty much get away with ingesting food that you want um, without harming the body too badly because you're not going in excess. Like for me, I'm a huge fan of chicken and steaks and lamb and stuff mm. like that. I, I love stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. right before we jumped on this call, and I'm sorry if anyone's vegan or vegetarian that's going to get mad at me for this, but this was delicious. I literally got some ciabatta bread, sliced that in two, put a little bit of butter down, and then put like some fried chicken, like pan fried chicken uh, that was seared and was like really mm. juicy healthy because i realized whenever i cook i cook well um right put that on top with a little bit of mozzarella cheese and just stick it in the oven and just let like crisp out on the top and it just it, it tastes perfect but as all my friends have said to me multiple times they're like the problem with your diet is it's not what you eat when you're eating it's what you do when you're grazing like when you snack <laughs> you snack with yeah. the worst things like what do you mean like how many like bags of chips do you go through just without thinking about it? How many chocolate bars do you? It's like you're right. I do eat a lot of chocolate oh, bars. That's the grazing, lot. right? Yeah, that's the grazing. It I was depends like, on if you're eating good chocolate or not. You know, I think there's oh, a lot of chi and chocolate. I, I might even do a new workshop, chi and chocolate. Oh, you should totally do that. You should hey, totally I'm do that over for lunch. That sounds delicious. Oh, dude. Yeah. By the way, when yeah. I'm out in California, I I think nearly, the way I'm staying. This is a cool little cheeky thing. Every one of my friends in like America has said to me, like, yeah, no, when you fly out here, you're staying with us. I was like, oh, that's really nice. Oh, I don't yeah. mind, like, I don't mind getting a hotel, but it's really nice having friends, like, you know, and podcast friends and stuff like that. Be like, yeah, stay at ours. Uh, that's the awesome. Tra- yeah, you say that, but I found out what the trade-off was. The trade-off was I have to cook for them. <laughs> uh, like, okay, all right. I was like, I'm good with that. I love cooking. <laughs> I love cooking. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit about the chi of food because oh, you know yeah. when we talk about chi. You it's know, more than just really the body. your life force energy. What keeps you alive? You know, so food is definitely one part of that. And in Chinese, food chi was called gu chi, G U Q I, and that is the energy that you get from food. So we we forget that we get energy from food, and not only do you get nourishment like nutrition and vitamins, but you get emotional energy from meals. You know, like usually people sit down and have a meal together as a family or friends, or we do things while we're eating. You know. When I'm teaching dietary practices, I always talk about how it's important not only what you eat, but how you're eating. Mm-hmm. So you eat slowly, you're in a good mood while you're eating, you're having fun, you're digesting all of that experience. Um, but as you said, chi, that's just one part of chi. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect of chi is breath. You know, you need to breathe, you know, all the time, whereas eating is, you know, you can go days without eating, but you can't go days without breathing. You can't go like a few minutes. So yeah, in terms of your chi, breath is so much more important. Oh, massively. Yeah. It's it's one of the other things I look at as well, just stay on the topic of breathing. From that aspect of breath work, of how it works, you can actually help steer or negate your nervous system's actual responses yeah um for the people listening to this think about it for a second you've all probably done some form of this but this is my favorite next time you feel nervous slow down your breathing and take a deep breath sounds Mm -hmm. really dumb but two breaths in you'll feel completely fine if you're actually if you're if you're excited as all can be and you're like oh my god i've got this amazing thing happening take a deep breath Mm-hmm. Because like I, I don't get me wrong, excited energy is amazing. It's super infectious. The problem is that's energy that could be stored. Yeah. So taking a deep breath and slowing it down builds. Yeah, especially too when you're um, having emotions or states that you don't like. We were talking about stress, anxiety, depression. Here's the thing: your breath is always a reflection of how you feel. So that's why when you take a slow, deep breath, you're communicating to your nervous system, to your body, or to your energy system, how you should be feeling. So stress is one breathing pattern. Anger is another breathing pattern. Sadness is another breathing pattern. So for example, look at an extreme emotion like anger. When you're angry, you don't want to inhale because you don't want to take in perspective, somebody else's ideas. You exhale strongly and often, as you said, the recommendation is, dude, take a deep breath, right? If you take a deep breath, all of a sudden the anger starts to dissipate. Now, where it gets hard is that people get very attached to their emotional states. They want to be 
right about what they're feeling. So often we stay in a same breathing pattern. But if you really want to take charge of your energy, and don't be mistaken, emotions are energy. They're energy in motion, emotion, energy movement. That's why we call them feelings, because we feel the energy moving. If you breathe slow and deep like you were recommending, you're going to shift the energy, which shifts the emotions back to a neutral space. Where we look at something, let's say, like sadness, and sadness is going to be a, a resistance to exhaling. It's the opposite of anger. So you might inhale, but you're resisting exhale. That's why people start crying when they're sad. It's actually a healing breathing practice that shifts and lets go of whatever we might be hanging on to. So we can sort of take charge of our energy or our internal state by doing slow, deep breathing. And about 30 seconds to two minutes, you'll create a shift depending on how strong the emotion is. And that's why in Qigong practice, breath, movement, or stretch and flow are all combined to create this alchemy of movements that creates a shift in your energy, a shift in your emotion, and pretty soon you're feeling really good, focused and clear in your mind, elevated energy in your body, which is kind of how we all want to feel. That is true. And it's actually like something I want to ask you about specifically, kind of like jumping off that point would be, you spoke about flow state earlier. Mm. Now, I love getting into flow states. One of the coolest things that you can do and I usually, whenever I hit it, I just hit it and go for it. But I have a problem, especially with this day and age with, um, there's so many distractions. You have your phone, social media, everything, right? Yeah. Yep, was, exactly. How do you actually get into flow state today? Like, I know it takes discipline, but is there a way that we can get to that discipline and build on it? For instance, okay, you spend 10 minutes without your phone today. Good job, buddy. Let's do 11 tomorrow. Or is it just the case right. that some people have to leave their phone away from them, switch off from social media for 25 minutes while working, and then get into flow? Right. I think flow state is like, how do we deconstruct it and get there in an easy way? So let's look at it from a chi perspective. Um, Qigong was called the art of effortless power. And effortless power really is flow state. And what are the characteristics of flow state? Number one, your energy is elevated. We feel excited or inspired or passionate we feel charged up. Number two, you feel present. Your mind is engaged with whatever activity that you're doing. We're not distracted either with technology or even mental stress of future projecting or past ruminating. We are in the moment and highly energized. We also feel a oneness with whatever it is that we're doing. So flow state is a really wonderful thing. Now, what can help to get into flow state is that you're challenging yourself with an activity and you're either doing something extreme like surfing a big wave, riding your mountain bike, doing some kind of sport, poetry, art also helps. But when you do Qigong, for example, what do you do? Often you are slowing your body down. So you get into flow state in a very safe, easy, effortless way. And after a few minutes of slow, relaxed moving with deep breathing, as we were talking about, all of a sudden this transformation happens. You know, flow state is not something that you create, it's something that you fall into. Kind of like going to sleep. The harder you try to go to sleep, the, the more it is you stay awake. So flow state, by relaxing and letting go, all of a sudden you find yourself in this state where your energy is elevated, you're present, you're focused, you're clear, it's kind of like standing on top of the mountain. You have a lot more perspective at your disposal. So I love being able to do Qigong and get there in about 15, 10 to 15 minutes of practice. And you can almost do it each and every time. Okay. That's pretty badass. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound really dumb here because I got really engrossed in what you were saying. Did you actually like go into the actual step-by-step -step of what you would do to get to that very quickly? Okay. Let me, let me do that because I didn't. Here's how you do it. And I've, I've, I've practiced these arts for a long time. So I've deconstructed it or distilled it in a way where, you know, my soccer player friends, my friends that are in corporate America, my fitness friends, they can access this in an easy way because I want to give people the experience of this. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about it, but I know people won't travel to Asia due to the traditional practices, but how do we do it in our busy modern world? So I've kind of 
deconstructed it in about seven principles. Now, the first one you want to do is you want to activate your chi. And how, maybe I can take your listeners through an activation of energy so you could feel what that is. Dude, because, I'm going to be doing it with you. Okay, so you have a lot of energy in your body, in your body-mind. Most of the time, we hold way too much tension in our bodies, and this energy is either dissipated or it's dormant. If energy isn't moving like water, it gets stagnant. So that's why in Qigong they say flowing water doesn't get stagnant and the hinges of an active door don't get rusty. So the same is true with your body. If we go into movements, very specific kinds of movements, you activate this energy. So let's let's do an activation altogether so you guys see what I'm talking about. And this one's really easy. You're going to take your fingernails and touch them together on your four fingers of your hand. Okay. Now, where your fingernails are, that's the ends of your meridians, your energy system. Now, rub them together vigorously. Just go back and forth, and you're going to you also rub the first knuckle together vigorously. And you're going to stimulate the ends of the meridians. It's like a little self-acupressure routine. Now, while you do it, the second principle would be breathing. So take a few deep breaths while you do this, in through the nose and out through the mouth. I was going to say, Lee, before we continue, could you do you yeah. mind going on video and showing me this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Because, like, I know you guys won't be able to see this, but I'll be able to, like, distill this down for you guys later. And why my microphone's muted. Can you hear hey, can you can, see me? Yeah, can you hear me still? I can still hear you, yeah. Yep, that's cool. I'm watching you. Cool. Okay, so I'm just going back and forth like this with the fingernails. Right. And then take a nice deep breath. In three deep breaths, you're going to feel a lot of energy in your hands when we stop. Do one more. Now, anytime you need a little energy boost, you can do this exercise. Now, bring your hands down into your lap or down to your sides right. and see if you can feel the electricity in your hands. Oh, I can. It just definitely can feel the tingliness in my hands. Yeah, buzzing electricity, right? So we activate it. This is this is what we call, or I call, activation of the chi. Um, now, often people think, well, that's my nervous system, or my circulation improving. Yes, absolutely. So your chi, your energy system, is sort of background to your physiology. So it's going to be the power behind all the physiological functions. It's like the wiring in your house, and your physiology is like the appliances. So we want to make sure you're your system is well-wired to receive this energy so that we feel vibrant and alive. And so these activations, you'll feel this vibration or energy or electricity moving through you. Cool, That's right? Powerful. I'm totally doing that all the time now. Just yeah, randomly. awesome. Fantastic. So I love just being able to give somebody a quick, easy, accessible way to feel their energy and then make it practical because – she is nothing other than your aliveness, and we want to be fully engaged in the life and the gifts of life that we were given. Um, other principles would be stretching. So these would, stretching is a way to clear excess tension in your body. Um, and then flow. So we have breath, activate, stretch, and flow as some principles of practice. Now, flow is different. In the beginning part of a Qigong practice, you, you are doing your Qigong. When we go into flowing movements, we allow the Qi to do us. So the more mm -hmm. you can relax, the more flow you create. So in a sense, what you're doing is you're doing less to create more while you're in flow state. And this may seem counterintuitive, but it's what nature does all the time. Nature does not stress out, right? When we think about bamboo, the bamboo would feel stressed if it felt like it had to blow the wind. So you, like the bamboo, we need to relax and be able to be moved by life and allow things to happen because most things in life you don't have to do. And we forget that. So we overly do. This is a great cause of stress, tension, and anxiety. So when we can feel comfortable doing less, we actually enter the flow state and are part of the rhythm of life. That makes complete sense. And now I've got like a whole new bunch of little workouts I can do at home throughout the day. Um, yeah. Because like my, my style of martial art right now is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So it's a lot mm -hmm. of movement. This helps a lot whenever you're like stretching out your back, your body, your limbs. Yeah, um, absolutely. Ha have you ever read Dr. E well, not even Dr. Sorry. Have you ever read Enos Siegel's book? S-E-G-A-L. No, I have to get that. 
her book is called The Secret Language of the Body. Oh, nice. You love that book. That's the reason I was asking about, like, what do you think about, like, emotions affecting parts of the body? Because for me, uh, and this is, like, where I actually learned about this. Yeah. Um, about 2016, so about three years ago, actually, around this time three years ago, uh, I actually busted my wrist at the gym, like, quite badly, my left wrist. And... I've broken my wrists before, so like I know how to deal with them. I've gone through the whole thing, so like I'll be fine. So right. I'm, so I'm completely fine. I'm stubborn as all can be at this age. And I'm like, I'm in my warrior mode. I'm 26. I can I can deal with anything. Bring it, life. I've got you. <laughs> right. And my, and my wrist is hurting, like really hurting at this point. Anyway, well, around around this time, I start dating a woman. Okay. Usually by six to eight weeks, I've gone to see an acupuncturist. I've had my wrists reset a bunch of times. I've basically done everything I could to make sure that my wrist feels good. Yet, yeah. no matter what I do, my wrist wouldn't stop hurting. Okay. It wasn't until about two weeks before we broke up that I told a friend about this. And she recommended, she was like, which wrist is it? I was like, left. She's like, okay, it's, th- it's to do with this. And she read this passage from this book. And she was like, you feel trapped. <laughs> You feel very, very trapped. You feel shackled to something that you don't want to be shackled to. And you just feel like you're running around in circles and you're restless. And all this, that, all, she basically read it out as she did. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Where'd you get that from? She was like, oh, it's this book. I was like, cool, mm-hmm. so I'll order it. Now, I ordered it. By the time that book arrived, which is two weeks, because uh, I was ordered from the US. As I was ordering it, it took two weeks to get here. In that time, me and this woman had broken up. Okay. The day after we broke up, my wrist stopped hurting. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, because a lot of time with our relationship, and it was a toxic relationship, because this person actually, they're amazing in who they are, by all means. But the problem was they had had jealousy tendencies and self-esteem issues. So, for instance, one of their... One of their little mantras to me was, pay pay me attention, pay me attention. And Uh for someone uh like me who has high ADD... um, and I'm just constantly like my brain at that point, my brain was constantly firing on all cylinders. Like, look at this, do this, do that, try multitask versus mm-hmm. slowing down and being calm. Um, it caused for a lot of strife in our relationship because she wanted attention and I was unable to give it because I was like, aren't you getting attention from elsewhere? Why do you need mine? I, I thought I paid you enough attention. Right. So as soon as we broke up, my wrist started to feel better almost immediately. And from there, it actually gave me an idea that every single time part of my body would hurt, I'd start looking at it from an emotional standpoint, going, what is my body not getting? So instead of going to, say, a chiropractor to look at my back first, I was like, okay, where are my back hurts? What's going on here? What am I blocking? Can I clear that blockage? Okay, I've cleared that blockage. Does it still hurt? Okay, it still hurts. Now I can go see the chiropractor. If Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt, it means it was an emotional thing. Yep. Yeah, and you know, that's the big thing is that we we tend to think that our emotions, our mind, and our body are separate. But let's look at it in terms of chi again, because that's what we do, and that's what I do specifically. And and by doing this, we have a really good framework for how to address it and develop a skill set or resources to be able to transform it into either wisdom like you did or back into uh, a pain-free state. So your body is the most, let's say, dense form of chi. It's like water that is turned into ice. It's condensed. Mm-hmm. So body is like ice. Emotions are like water and maybe mind or consciousness is like vapor. But at the root, ice, water, and vapor, it's all H2O. It's all the same thing manifest in different forms. So when we have emotional stress or mental stress, it dramatically impacts your body. And when your body doesn't move or your body's in pain, for example, we will feel the emotional tension of that. So when people are in pain or we have problems in our body, often it goes along with emotional stress, depression, frustration, uh, which then creates mental stress as well. So when we want to address a physical symptom, if we look at the emotions, we can really get to the root of it. And even when we're looking at emotional issues, we can change the body, just like we were talking about. You change the breath, you change the mood, you change the emotion. And so by seeing these different layers of ourselves, we develop a skill set that really helps us to solve our own problems and you know, see our, our, our team, our skilled practitioners, our chiropractors, acupuncturists, 
and whatnot, but they can help just to move us along. So we're kind of co-creating health and vibrancy with our practitioners rather than just turning our power over to somebody else and then hoping that they can help fix us. And the other thing is that you can really distill from the body's wisdom, intuition or life wisdom that helps to serve as guidance. You know, maybe in a relationship, it's like, hey, it's time to move on or it's time to communicate in a different way about certain issues. Let's bring it up with our partners. Let's have those difficult conversations so that the energy doesn't get stagnant. Agreed. It's also the very, it's the basis of, um, as you said, very, sorry, I'm trying to articulate my words. Essentially what you said is perfectly true because you can almost always feel how someone's energy is based on the words they say and how they say them. No matter what the mm -hmm. relationship is, you can just be like, that person sounds incredibly powerful and right. strong. I mean, it's the same reason why you get some people who are so monotone in their speaking, but they're so powerful in their delivery. They could just be like, no, I'm really happy today. And it's like yeah. to everyone else that could sound sarcastic, but to the right person they're directing it to, they're like, no, this person's genuinely happy today. Right. Right. No, it's so true. I mean, I, I love how everything's, you know, we are a wholeness, but we forget sometimes that we're a whole mind body system that's intricate, that we're not just one thing and we're not just a series of parts. We, we have our internal organs, but let's say when we look at the heart, it's much more complex than that. The heart isn't just a pump that circulates your blood. It has emotions, you know, it connects to our language. I love you with all my heart. Or put your heart into it. You know, this speaks to the energy of the heart. And, you know, what I love about neuroscience is they're saying that your mind isn't just in your brain. It's also in your body. So your heart has 40,000 neurons associated with it, mainly going towards your brain so that your heart is communicating to this upper center. So our emotions and our minds are truly interconnected and your mind is in your body. So when we start to listen to the body, we start to understand our gut feelings. We start to listen when the body's in pain, it's a message. It's not there to just put you in discomfort. It's saying, hey, do something different. And what I love about Qigong is it helps you to slow down, to listen to your body, and to turn on this inner healing power that we all have within us. Very true. And it's something that very few, very few people, are like more and more people are starting to look at. And it's now becoming more and more mainstream. And something I love that you said is about how the heart is, 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 has its own emotional uh, range. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like I grew up in a very Middle Eastern, uh, faith home. So basically our home was actually, I think everyone knows I grew up Muslim. Uh, but like we grew mm -hmm. up in like, we have multi-ethnicities in my family. So I'm quite multi-ethnic, but we grew up with predominantly Middle Eastern tradition. And a lot of the stuff in the right. Arabic world, not the Islamic world, but the Arabic world, if you read it, it actually says a lot about the heart. Mm -hmm. Like your heart goes this way. Your heart goes that way. Your heart has this desire. Oh, your heart has that beautiful. judgment. It's follow your heart, listen to your heart. Your heart knows best. Like, as you said, there are so many different ways of saying what the heart does, yet for some reason in our modern day, we become completely disconnected from a mind and heart, like being one thing. It's like, no, your heart leads the emotion, but your brain actually, it's kind of the way that I look at it. It's the, um, it's the horse and the rider. Yeah. Like right. that, that, they're in connection. One can go without the other, but really they, they're best suited when they work together. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, because, you know, it, the interesting thing about Chinese medicine or these holistic health traditions is that there's wisdom in all the internal organs. So, for example, you know, our liver, this is in Chinese medicine, they say they restore stress and frustration. And let's say liver chi is what is related to your nervous system. So we know that stress, frustration, anger, jealousy, envy is and negative emotions that are related to the liver that affect all parts of the body. Um, and on the positive side of the organ, the liver is related to kindness and generosity and creativity and imagination. And so really it's about accessing the positive energy or looking at the negative energy as guidance to how to make shifts or changes in our lives so that we are healthier, more vibrant and more connected. You know, we don't say, I love you with all my liver. You know, love comes from the heart. But other wisdom and other emotions come from different organs. You know, kidneys is fear. Lungs is inspiration. Your 
stomach is about being centered and balanced. So there's ways in which we can sort of see where the energy is and then listen even deeper to the wisdom of the body. And then pretty soon we have a new language, an energetic language that we speak very well, both within ourselves, but also when we go through the world, understanding that, hey, when we're listening to somebody else, we're really reading their energy more than actually the words that are coming out of their mouth. That's true. It's very true yep. because, again, that's what body language is. It's picking up on the signals that the body's sending out energetically. And if we look at back from the olden days of our of our ancient ancestors, that's mm. how they actually got to know each other was they would read your body language before words. And they'd mm-hmm. send your they set your um they sense your energy and your presence of what you're saying before it happens. It's the whole reason why I love like uh where my hair was down to my shoulders. God I miss having long hair. <laughs> right. I used to feel really connected to things, like really connected. Whenever I sleep I used to feel a deeper connection to everything around me. When I mm. cut my hair, I could never articulate this until like I got older. Um I felt like I lost my superpowers. Ah, right. Like, like, it's like I I couldn't con- connect with people empathetically as much anymore. It's like my hair was antennae that was picking up on their emotions. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. You know, they say hair is related to the kidney energy, which kidney is like, it's all the water element. So you really feel the deeper layers to the energy, the depth, you know, water always seeks the depth. So when we are feeling in tune with our water element, we're, we're seeing people at their depth, not at their surface. Really interesting. It really is. Um, I really find it interesting, like how the body's going through like different changes. And again, the thing I look at is how what we know from that perspective uh, happening around what's happening around the world with different people's opinions changing to what they are now. Like people are actually waking up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's becoming more and more powerful and prevalent. Yeah, you know, and there's such tremendous wisdom in the body. I mean, I think they, you know, uh, linguists and Communication experts always talk about, you know, people are really listening to the body wisdom, which we've been saying, or the body posture, but it's really about your posture, your facial expression, your voice tonality, and then the words that somebody's saying. So we're really listening to people's energy first and foremost, still in modern times, and then we're getting into the content of what people are saying. So I love it. People are doing Qigong all the time. They just don't have a a linguistic framework or a conscious understanding of what energy is doing. So I I really love educating people on their energy systems because it's something that they're doing in relationships all the time, whether it's their intimate partners. We are looking for energy, right? Even in sexual relationships, we don't always, when we're having sex, we don't always want to be having a baby. We want some kind of energy. We want to be generating activating, exchanging energy. And when we're working in a job, we want to be creative and insightful. We want to be generating energy in our communities and in our relationships as human beings. And once we learn how to work with energy, we learn how to protect ourselves from negative energy or to transform negative energy when we pick it up and get into a resourceful state, a flow state, so that we can bring our best selves into whatever activities that we're doing. And then life becomes a lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable, a lot more energized and focused. Agreed. I could not agree more with that because that is exactly what happens is when we have those energies, everything just seems to just, it just seems to flow. Right. That's all it is. And again, everything you've given us today is actually perfectly for getting this into flow. So I'm going to throw you a little curveball right now. Okay, please. What are five books you would recommend for everyone to read. Now, here's the caveat. There is a little rule in here. Three of the books can be nonfiction, health-related, whatever it is. But two of the books have to either be fictional books or movies. They don't have to be fictional movies, but they have to be either movies or two fictional books and three regular fi- uh, non-fictional books. Ah, cool. So so three books, two uh, two fictional books or movies. Yes. Fantastic. Well, you know, one I'm going to start with is the Tao Te Ching. Do you know mm-hmm. this book? It's yep, it's the second it. most widely read book in the world. <clears throat> next to, like you know, often joke next to Harry Potter, but it's really next to the Bible. Yep. <laughs> you know what I love about this book? It starts off with basically, hey, everything I'm going to say in this book isn't really true. 
because you have to you you have to have it to really understand something you have to know it through experience. So the first passage of the Tao Te Ching, the Tao that can be told is not the real Tao, and so then it goes on to be you know a series of poems, insights, uh, different ways of looking at the world, and um, things like that. So I uh, love that book. Um, one one that's a movie as well as a book um, that really influenced me is an, is an older book, um, not as old as the Tao Te Ching, but it was The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Great and, book. Yeah, it's a great book. And Dan's now a, a good friend of mine. Um, and so I love that book because it's, you know, I love entertaining through story and being able to tell a story uh, and give insight and messages. And, you know, just in the last year, I'm starting to work and produce um, a film. It's called Superhuman. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we are, you know, almost at the end of the filming and in the editing process. And we basically went around the world for two years filming people with extraordinary abilities uh, like Dan Millman had in his book. So we're going to work on this docu, what we're calling a docudrama uh, in, with extraordinary abilities in the chi world and things like that. So. Um, the other movie, um, God, I'm, I'm watching with my kids is, is Star Wars. It's just such a classic. I, w- I was watching specifically Empire Strikes Back. It's a just classic. Love, love the scene with Yoda and Luke in the cave training. I'm like, this is Qigong practice. This, this is, is just old, awesome. This is an old master telling you the same stuff. It, it's so funny how many movies actually have principles on them and people yep. just kind of go, Wait, and you're like, you do know you're quoting actual Qigong principles, or they're like, wait, I am? Oh, like, yes. Oh my God. I love it. You know, it's like I just watched Kung Fu Panda 3, and he's trying to become the master of Qi. And I was like, yes, this is it. It's starting to enter into pop culture. I mean, it definitely did through Star Wars by feeling the force, but the force, really, what we're talking about is Qi. And, you know, if you do these activations and flow states and line up your mind just right, these are all wonderful principles that um are talked about in these movies but you can actually do them yourselves and the superhuman movie that we're talking about is just really how do we activate our own innate human potential within us and i you know for me the first place to start is qigong because it all starts with your internal power yep it's kind of like trying to build uh the outside of a beautiful building and having very weak foundations yeah Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. Uh, or the other way that you can really put this, because that one's been done to death, is basically like trying to make paper mache without actually <laughs> having anything behind it. Yeah, right. No, I love it. Yeah. It's the way that um, Yeah. Uh, so other Ching, books I'm, I'm reading lately, um, I'm reading a book by uh, Dan Siegel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Mind. And he basically is a neuroscientist and um, looking at how do we define the mind. And what I love about this book is he comes up with, you know, a definition of the mind that different scientists can agree upon, whether you're a neuroscientist, psychologist, anthropologist, sociologist, we can talk about the mind and have a working definition so that we start to understand consciousness. And, you know, part of the definition really sounds very Qigong because it's the flow of energy and information but really what Dan's talking about is your mind is, yes, it's in your brain, but it's also in your body and it's also in your community. So that the mind, who we think of ourselves as gets expanded to mind or brain, body and environment, which I think is how the flow of energy works. And then we start to have resources on how we can really um, work with the energies of life more completely. Agreed. So that's going to be another couple of books that go onto my goddamn reading list. I swear to God, my accountant's going to hate me because they're going to be like, how many more? You just moved. We got rid of like 200 books. Stop trying to add more. I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. Um, The last book that I just just finished reading is, um, it's called Three Questions by Don Miguel Ruiz. You know, the shaman who wrote The Four Agreements. And their three questions was really good on just getting clear on what's important, you know, just like lining up your mind because, you know, what we call in Qigong, the three treasures, the treasure of your body, your emotions and your mind, what we've been talking about. But I love what they say. They call it the three treasures. These are gifts that life has given you. 
And too often we have the wrong frame around the gift of life. We, you know, we're complaining about our bodies. We complain, we internally worry. We're constantly wrapped up in this negative cycle when really life is a gift that we can enjoy, that we can fully immerse ourselves in, and we can just completely lose ourselves in, in wonderful things, whether they're relationships, love, sexuality, bliss, flow state, and all these wonderful things. So the three treasures really helps us to, to learn how to access the source of those energies so that we have a higher vibration as we go through our daily lives. That's so powerful. I love that. The book that I just finished reading was The, uh, the Laws of Human Nature by uh, Robert Greene. Oh, nice. I definitely recommend that from the perspective of psychology because mm. Robert's books are always good, but his book on this is just, it, it's basically, if I could give this to every psychology student right now and be like, or soci and sociology student, like, read this. Just mm. forget school, forget yeah, paying right. all that money. Read this one book because it will tell you everything you need to know almost in its entirety about the human nature and how we actually respond to things and what are underlying it's got stuff in there that I didn't even know about. Stuff like um, if a child's mother was one way, then that child is more likely to grow up this way. If this is their disposition, then this is what they've actually felt. And I'm like, this is not even read like a textbook. Right. But it's teaching me the stuff that I want to know without boring the crap out of me. So it's amazing. Uh, hey, I you know, I studied psychology in college. And awesome. it was, you know, UC Berkeley has some amazing professors, but I was like, I am in year three. I've spent three years here studying psychology, and I still don't know one technique to help myself feel better. So I was kind of browsing the New Age bookstore in Telegraph Avenue, which is this wild place in Berkeley, and um, I found some books by Montak Chia, and he's a Taoist Qigong master, speaking of great books. And I was like, oh my God, transform stress into vitality. Here's an amazing book, and there's a short manual, in in less than, you know, while I was standing there in the bookshop flipping through this book, I found four or five excellent techniques on how to get myself out of a negative state and into a positive state. And in fact, I bought the book. I walked outside of the bookstore and on the telephone pole with a, was a flyer, Montak Chia, in town this weekend giving a workshop. And, you know, buying that book and going to that workshop changed my life because I ended up being his main ghostwriter for eight books while I was in my early 20s. So I spent a lot of time traveling back and forth to Asia, writing books for Montak Chia and studying with Qigong masters in China. That's amazing. Yeah, truly amazing. It's like life gives you some certain signposts. And, you know, if we learn to read those signposts, we can follow them. And all of a sudden, wow, life was really different than me sitting at a corporate job that a lot of my friends were doing. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't for me. Oh, I agree. It's sometimes you got to cut your own path. It's kind of like the whole thing when people still laugh at this. And some people, unfortunately, in my family, uh, in my family do as well. But I pay them no mind. It's in the sense of like, I'm dyslexic, have ADD. And yet I'm a writer for a living. I actually get paid to write. <laughs> and they're like, how's that work? I was like, and they're like, don't you have a boss? I'm like, no. <laughs> but the, the, the trade-off to that is that you do sometimes get people like, hey, can you come over this weekend? And you're like, no, I've got a, I've got a deadline. So there, right. is a tra there is always a trade-off where like the nine-to-five corporate stuff, I feel sorry. I, I, I envy you guys that have, they can go home at like 5.30, 6 o'clock and you don't have to stay at the office yeah. and you're fine. Right. But then again, I also don't envy the fact that if I want to take a nap in the middle of the day, I can actually take a nap in the middle of the day and not get yelled, yelled at because that's always my fun thing. It's like, right. It's like eighty percent of my day is like, what are you doing? I don't yep. even know. I, I was talking to one of my uh, copy cubs about this, and I was like, how many? I was running through all the clients that we have to write for. We got to the end, there were like twelve, and he was like, I knew you were busy. I didn't know you were that busy. I was like, I don't think I am. He goes, What do you do in a regular day? We ran through my day, and he, he was like, You do a lot. In my response, I was kind of like, um, I just thought I just sat down and watched Netflix and just wrote notes in my notepad and do, did some artwork. And he's like, no, you actually do a lot. I was like, oh, I had no idea. This is quite oh, interesting. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. I mean, you know, when you're – that's because, you know, you are in a flow state. When you're doing it, it doesn't seem like work. 
you know, we, I have kids. So when I ask them what they did all day, basically their answer is play. And if you can start to feel like you have been, if your work is your play, you end up in flow state much of the time because you're having fun, you're inspired, you're focused on what you're doing. It's when we don't like what we do that creates a blockage in your energy. You know, that can be true of your exercise, your relationships, the groups that you're in and your work. If you don't like what you're doing in and through your body and in and through your mind, your energy system gets lowered down, downgraded. And when we really are inspired, we love what we're doing. Your energy system gets upgraded. So, you know, when I'm doing coaching with people, we look at where they're inspired, what they're called to do, what brings them excitement or passion. And inevitably, if you start doing more of that, your energy and your health and vitality go way up. You can also think about who do I really love spending time with? And when you spend time with people that you love, you are doing a particular kind of energy work because you're energized when you're around people that you love. You're laughing more, you're smiling more, and these are truly things that will help to heal your body. I mean, I have a, I have a meditation that I like to put people through. It's called the inner smile meditation, and it's oh, a wonderful awesome. meditation where you're smiling inward to yourself, to your internal organs as a way to create positive, healthy energy. And it's a really powerful exercise for healing. Where can, guys, where can people go check that out? Like, Because I love to my people that way. Oh, that sounds great. Inner Smile Meditation and all the meditations are at the website, uh, holdenqigong.com. Oh, awesome. Holden, Qigong yeah. is Q-I-G-O-N-G. Yeah, like basically, guys, we've got it in the show notes. You guys have basically sponsored this first episode, this episode of the show. So make sure you go check it out. Um, Lee, real quickly before we head out, dude, I just want to say thank you so much for being so open, telling us great stories, and actually walking us through like a Qigong train, like a practice that we can use. Because me myself, I, I'm going to be using that quite a bit where I just rub my nails together and just be like, all right, cool. While I'm breathing and relaxing, I just feel like I got electricity go again. That's fantastic. You know, and on the website too, we have that five day mini course and it's only seven minutes. Each exercise program is about seven minutes. It's part of a 30 day challenge. But in those seven minutes, that five day course, there's a bunch of exercises like that just to get your energy fired up. And I think people will really like it. Kind of gets you in the habit of doing some practice or gives you a way in which we can take a chi break in the middle of your day and it's free. So uh, try it out. That's pretty badass, guys. Go definitely try that out. Um, guys, go check out uh, Holden Qigong. That's Q-I-G-O-N-G dot com. And as always, if you like this episode, please share it, like it, subscribe, um, leave a review because I love reading the reviews. And I'll see you guys on next week's episode. Take care. And thanks again, Lee, for being here. Thanks so much.